Well, 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 we are joined. I love how I like a sports person, like commentator right now. We are joined by the one and only Lee Thomas. Woo! I mean, Lee is sort of like a famous person. He does belong in a hall of fame of sorts. So it works. <laughs> Lee is one of our best friends. And I do believe that Lee should have a stadium of people cheering for him wherever he goes. So it's only Always. appropriate. You guys are too kind. I am so excited to be here. This has been a long time coming, long time listener, first time caller. I'm excited. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> we are so thrilled to have you. So Lee, we know Lee because we all worked together at Communal in Provo when we were in college, and then we fell in love with each other. Um, I mean, really, Lee fell in love with us, and we decided that, yes, we'd allow him to be our friend, and really, the rest yeah. is history. I mean, that's definitely not far off from the truth. <laughs> it was instant Lee, love for me with you guys. Lee was my favorite person to work with when I first started at Communal. I was very nervous all the time, and I would go through a shift, and then I would call Lauren and tell her everything I did wrong immediately after. <laughs> um, and then, but if I was working that's with you, true. if I was working with Lee, I felt instantly less nervous um except for the one time we did get into a fight at work which we we don't have to talk (laughs) about if you don't want to talk about it oh my gosh I totally want to talk about it because I don't remember it (laughs) well I've never even heard this story no we never got into a fight I I think I just probably like you know did something wrong like you know I triple sat you and then you were annoyed with me and then I was like and then I spiraled (laughs) it was it was probably during one of my like three meltdowns that I had there (laughs) I'm going to guess it was one of those experiences because I do remember, and I'm sure there was a lot of collateral damage and people, lives ruined, people hurt. But I mean, you know, I apologize. It was only like three and six years, if that makes you feel better. That's actually pretty impressive because I had a solid 10 meltdowns at Communal and I was only there for two years or three years. So I definitely remember that. Lee's like, I remember every single one. Uh, where was the best I mean, place in communal to to have your meltdown in the PDR, like a, away from the window, for, so that like customers can see you, or downstairs, or in the oh the walk in, the walk in for sure. The walk in, you could just go in there, cool off, like you know, literally. literally, and no one would be in there usually. You could scream, and it was kind of like soundproof. <laughs> see, I just never had the self control to not begin my meltdown until I was secluded. I mm. would start sobbing basically in the back in front of all the other employees. Right. <laughs> mm. Honestly, that's how mine were too. That's that's why they were so public. They were always like right on the floor, screaming in front of all the guests. It was <laughs> yeah. It was it was a, a show. That's for sure. <laughs> But somehow you still worked there for six years. I don't know how I did it. Is is there a sound that conjures more of a visceral visceral reaction than the sound of the curtain closing as you go into the dish pit to just like unleash, you know, slamming that curtain Uh closed? Anyways. That that slam of the curtain was Mm -hmm. deafening. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Well, we bring Lee on today because Lee is essentially a Britney Spears. Um, I wouldn't even, it's not expert. It's beyond that at this point. Um, what What are your credentials and all things Britney Spears, Lee? <laughs> I mean, I have been following Britney. Brit- Baby One More Time came out when I was in the eighth grade and I was a young burgeoning gay boy. So naturally mm-hmm. she was like, she was like God to me. I was bragging, I was I was flexing to our mutual friend Candace the other night 
um, that I am one of the only people I think who's never slut shamed Britney. Like I was an original leave Britney alone. Uh, really, type. Stan. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was from the get. I was defending Britney to everyone I knew. Although I was pretending like I liked her because I thought she was hot. Mm. Oh my god! <laughs> of course, a uh-huh. critical uh-huh. switch you know, in reasoning. My exactly. My straight persona couldn't be compromised by my love for Britney Spears. So we brought, we're bringing on Lee because we want to get into all things framing Britney Spears. We have watched the documentary. We have a million thoughts. And Lee's really the only person in our lives that must be included in this conversation. Yeah. That's, I would Besides say Britney herself. In this yeah. case. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which she's not giving interviews. I don't know if you heard. But. <laughs> Couldn't be reached for comment. She refused to appear. It was really unfortunate. But thankfully, we got her expert, one Lee Thomas. Um, Lee, another reason why I think you're a great fit to, you know, periodically co-host Pop Apologists, and yes, that is a repeated invitation um, uh-huh. that I hope you take us up on, but I think think that you are a great fit because one of the things that first bonded me to you was realizing how much you also hated working and (laughs) how little you could hide it, similar to me. I am an ambassador of the workshop. Yes, we We did. We both competed for like the worst work ethic reputation at Communal. And I still competed while also supporting each other in that. Oh, totally. I we were, we were each other's that. biggest support as laziest on the team. <laughs> <laughs> we would constantly be like giving each other tips of like, okay, like this is how we can like go do something while we're sitting. We can do, we can fold napkins and sit down and give all the other employees like the hard work to do. Absolutely. We used our womanly wiles as a smoke screen. <laughs> <laughs> so make true. it seem like we were working meanwhile we're gossiping in the back and eating free salmon Ooh, yes and butterscotch pudding yes so good. okay guys should we just dig right into the documentary yeah let's get into it what are your guys like initial thoughts right off the bat after having watched the documentary i think the the one good thing that's coming out of all of this is that Britney has kind of become like an ambassador for mental health. And Mm -hmm. I think that uh, we've never really been this mental health focused in our country before as evidenced by her whole history with the media. And I think that um, a lot of people are really using Britney to explore their own mental health issues. And, And so, I mean, out of everything, I will say that that's that's like a positive, like a silver lining that's kind of coming out of the situation. 100%. Also, to me, this is like a critical point of like realizing what we do to celebrities, like what what people like me who love celebrities who like grew up reading Us Magazine, how we sort of drive their demise to some degree. And like taking responsibility for that. Yeah, totally. Like we did this to Britney. We did. And we got to reckon yeah. with that. Yeah, it's just interesting, though, because, I mean, did we do it to Britney? Or, like, I- I'm always struck by the fact that celebrities can always get away with only having paparazzi photos generally when they want them, or a lot of celebrities can. 
And so I don't want to be like a, a paparazzi apologist, but like, did she have to live in LA? Like, did she have to, like, could she have moved somewhere that would have made her less available? Could she have had someone else go get her Frappuccinos? Right. But I think I- that it just, it just all happened in this specific timeline where, cause they explained how initially the paparazzi relationship was like mutually beneficial, right? Right. And she liked the paparazzi. She was nice to the paparazzi. They helped each other out. And it was also a different era of the paparazzi. Like that was really when it was at a fever pitch of demand for those kinds of pictures. I think that that's gone way down with social Mm -hmm. media these days. Mm -hmm. And so it just, the, the timeline of everything happening. And I think that the way it all kind of spiraled out of control. She started cutting off everyone in her life and they couldn't control her from going to get her own Frappuccinos. Like she, at a certain point, she was doing what she wanted to do and she wasn't listening to anyone else, you know? And and, right. and she had also, her mind had been so twisted by by being in the spotlight for so many years that that, you know, she kind of couldn't control it. Right. Honestly, I will also say like the experience of going to a local like strip mall and walking into a Starbucks, especially if it's newer and like ordering or at least just picking up your drink and like catching those little rays of sunshine. That's actually a stunning experience that she should not be deprived of. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. I'm like, so, so what she has to just go live in like a cabin in Montana in order to like have a happy life. Like I think that like that to me is like a crazy expectation to have out of a celebrity like sorry we can't help ourselves so Mm -hmm. you're gonna have to like literally hide yourself away but the other thing that I wanted to add is that I do think at the beginning she did really soak up like and and maybe like the first even 10 years of her career she really did like soak up the press and like she was so loved and like you know it, it was a very like mutually beneficial relationship and then I think like when things took a turn the paparazzi did not stop like they were relentless and so there's, it was never any sort of like, you know, they they never moderated themselves. Right. Right. It got worse and worse. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I think is so interesting is that, you know, the first part of the documentary, it really shows her as this very autonomous, very smart, capable person. And she's executing her vision and she is being very critical of, you know, like she says, I know the deals that I'm doing. I'm not just yeah. some young kid right. who is taking, you know, doing whatever her manager says. She seems very much in control and she's speaking in a very normal voice. And what I think is very interesting is the tone of voice she speaks in now on her Instagram videos. It's totally mm. different. It's like mm-hmm. a fake voice. And so my, my question is, are there like tranquilizers you can put someone on that like creates a higher pitched voice? Like what happened to her voice? Why is she like what is with this new kind of frenzied persona? Because I don't think voice ch- a voice change is a symptom of like a mental break. I think it's definitely medication induced. Like you can see you she's kind of, yeah, I mean, she's, she's unhinged a lot in her Instagram videos, mm-hmm. which is, I think is what, what really worries people. I mean, one of the things that really worries people is just how unhinged she seems to be sometimes like the rocking back and forth that she does while she's talking and, Mm -hmm. and just the intensity. But I think she's probably just on a blend of medications. And I mean, I, I do think that she seems happy. So like, she just seems kind of like in an ignorance is bliss 
kind of mode. Yeah, and right. I mean, I mean, just... I I know I'm kind of going off subject of her of her voice change, but I think that it all I think that that's why because she's... because she's regressed. She well, seems like know? she's in like a medicated trance. If I'm being honest, mm-hmm. like she's living in like some sort of like hidden hills fairyland. But the mm-hmm. issue is, yeah, she totally does. But then in the court documents, you know, she vehemently is opposed to her father continuing to be the conservator. And in the court documents, she seems to be like, okay, I guess my question is, can she also can she be in this like medically induced trance, but also be sending secret coded messages? Right. I don't think that she is doing that personally. I think that that's really? a little bit just, I mean, that's the impression that I've always gotten. Some of the recent information that's come out has, has kind of like, you know, changed my perception a little bit, but I, I don't really think that she's I don't, doing that I, I don't think she said, I mean, maybe they are like some of her videos are a cry for help, if you will, but I don't think she's right. sending like coded FBI messages, like look for the numbers and signs. Like, yeah. I think I think I I I imagine that she just kind of like forgot about the conservatorship. She doesn't really care. She's used to people running her life now. The free Britney movement kind of like reminded her that like, oh, maybe I don't want to be in this situation. Mm-hmm. And she's gotten that's when she started to take steps after that. Interest interesting. So you don't that, I mean, because the documentary paints it like she's very much opposed to the conservatorship. She wants out. She's a victim. She's basically a uh-huh. prisoner. But you think she's kind of more just like, oh, yeah, I should get – I don't know. Like the, w- with her being so against Jamie as the conservator in the court docs, like it just doesn't make sense to me that um, she would kind of also be like going with the flow. Well, that's what I mean. Like at this point, I think that she – she wants out. She's like, oh, I, I do want control over my life. But there's obviously some information that we're not getting right. that keeps her in that conservatorship. Because if she really had control over herself, she would be able to get herself out of it with all the power that, that she has. Okay, that is so true. And I think that that is really the thing that's the most puzzling about the whole case. Because if she was a person who was totally competent, then yeah, like the lady said, okay, you can't just wake up one day and say you want the conservatorship to be over, but you have to file a petition. Okay, then you file a petition. Like you have attorneys. Like it's not mm-hmm. that's that can be done in a day. So it's like the what the one guy was saying. We don't know what we don't know. Right. And that's exactly. the problem. The smoking gun really is that she doesn't want to perform anymore. And I think the 100%. documentary shed some light on that in that she's realizing that if she continues to make money they're all going to want to control her but if she stops making money then there's no interest for them anymore so Mm -hmm. that's the tactic that she's using to get them off her back i mean there's definitely interest because they can continue to, to profit from her estate continue to receive whatever the salary is that those people are all getting um but i think it's like it's, it's basically her way of punishing them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely not think that's a factor. Like super enriched. So, Lee, what are your thoughts on her dad? Like, do you think he's this mm. like evil, manipulative, like domineering, you know, Absolutely. Louisiana I mean, the documentary paints him that way from the very beginning. They try to plant mm-hmm. those seeds in your head about right. how 
the first thing he said when she was starting to get fame was my daughter's gonna be rich and buy me a boat mm-hmm. you know and he kind of wasn't in the picture until she needed this help and I think he's always I think he's one of those just like like dickhead kind of guys who's yeah who's really just all about himself and when he saw her spiraling he saw a money-making opportunity right, as much him. as he probably wanted to help her he, I mean he is her dad he's it I'm sure it wasn't like completely motivated by that I would just mm-hmm. say mostly motivated by the fact that he was like oh wow I could really cash in you know right here's my question though like what I don't understand where her mom is in all this. I, I think they're divorced, right? That yeah. was what I was just going to say. Too. I don't, I, mm-hmm. that was what I was waiting for the, throughout the whole documentary was like, what the hell happened to Lynn, right? That's her mom's name. Her yeah. darling like mother. Yes. Where did she go and where why? Where is she? Like, that's even like, that's the more alarming part to me is that somehow like in the last 10 years, like her mom is not really like a modern facet of her life. It's her well, dad. and that's not true because legally the mom petitioned to have a say in the daughter's in her in Britney's life yeah so I just don't right okay yeah she maybe she's still like is somewhat like there but I just I don't understand how she now is just completely like has completely taken a backseat slash like isn't even in the the car the Britney car if you will because like I think I don't get it I think that they had a falling out that wasn't very publicized and I think Mm. it was a long time ago and they haven't really reconnected since then. Yeah, that's that would my, be the only real theory. explanation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Her dad and her mom, I don't think are are close. And her dad was the one who was in her life a lot. So her mom kind of kept her distance. But I feel like her mom was so involved in the beginning of her career. Like her mom. I, mean, I know, I guess, that's what's so know. weird about it. Okay, but that's we... when the falling out happened. You right. know, she spiraled and that's when the falling out happened. Can we just talk about... Um, Felicia. Oh yeah. Is there a better oh. woman? I we must protect Felicia. I know at all we must. She is. Like, I've always loved her. I didn't. I, I mean, I didn't know anything about her uh, ever until this documentary, and she's the most wonderful woman. Like I would, I would like to meet Felicia. I'd like to spend some time with her. I'd like to maybe have her be my handler. Like I love it. I think she's to credit for Brittany doing so well for mm-hmm. so many years. Totally. What I think is so endearing about her is it's very obvious she has not, you know, benefited richly in a financial way mm-hmm. from Britney, like everyone else around her, even though she seems to be the one that's actually working full time for Britney um, and has mm-hmm. for decades. Mm-hmm. But what's also interesting is like they show her in this very modest home and like her walls are literally adorned with the iconography of Britney mm-hmm. Spears. Like this is a woman right. so happy being subsumed by this other woman's identity like that's a very like egoless person she is so Mm -hmm. pure you can just tell her intentions are so pure and and what happened to their relationship you know like why are why is why she's not in the picture well but i think and why i I think like she no she was no longer britney's assistant when like the britney company like when I think when her Britney's dad transitioned to being like in charge of everything. And remember she like became the merch person or the person who gave backstage tours. Like she went mm, from being like mm-hmm. Britney's like personal, like handler assistant, like traveling companion to like, yeah, like a, you know, essentially like we're just working for like the, the tour company. And I mean, that's right. like devastating in its own way. I, I'm sure Britney's dad, if he is really this nefarious, which it seems like he is uh, like just 
isolated Brittany from anyone else in the picture. Okay, yeah. Like she she kind of naturally exited and then and then was kept out after that. Yeah, totally. Totally. Okay, yeah. That makes sense. That definitely tracks. One of the things that really stood out to me was the incredibly sexualized way the media and like interviewers would interact with Britney when she was a very uh, young yes, harrowing child. Disgusting. That breast she, question. The breast thing? Well, oh my how about God. when she's how about when she's on stage for like that America's Got Talent-esque show, whatever it was, and the 70-year-old like host is like, do you have a boyfriend? And she's like, no, the guys are mean. And he's like, what about me? Yeah. Like, it was, oh, yeah. She's, she's like, a prepubescent child. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. Like, was that like worded bad? That was disgusting. Uh-huh. It really was. And, and it just shows like that is how we've always framed women in the past right. and it is through men you know it's like to, mm-hmm. what else do you ask other than like do you have a I boyfriend mean, did exactly. anyone else feel like they kind of hated diane sawyer oh yeah absolutely like, that was i feel like she probably looks back on that with regret right i, I mean I, you know i love diane sawyer I would. I. I really love Diane Sawyer. I don't think she's problematic, but I did. I did. Not have happening, like a, Diane. It's not. It ain't happening, Diane. But I did <laughs> have a moment where I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like we all are just learning and evolving and growing, and even mm-hmm. Diane Sawyer has some work to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a different world back then. Like we literally lived in a completely different ecosystem yes. at the time. That it's so true. Like I'm always astonished to think about the fact that when I graduated from high school, that there were like people protesting against gay marriage in this like that were like our friends and family like people right. like that were fully like openly homophobic oh yeah and mm-hmm. that was just mm-hmm. a normal part of culture and now the oh, culture I remember. Has transformed. yeah i'm sure you do i mean you obviously <laughs> like remember that much more distinctly than i do and it's just so interesting to think about yeah like how far we've we've come right. since those times Absolutely. It's social media. It's one of the great things about social media. There's a lot of bad about social media. One of the good things is it's like brought up a lot of different conversations, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And, totally. for, and force people to kind of reckon with like what they actually believe in or, or what like what belief systems that they've like helped, you know, what harmful mm-hmm. belief systems they've helped like keep in place. I mean, I, like the biggest reason that I left Mormonism was, was literally because of that time. That was the, the, the start of my like transition out of it was literally probably right. eight. And that moment yeah. in our lives. Yeah. I think that's it for a lot of people at this point, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just, it's so interesting though, because like obviously Diane Sawyer is such a smart, wonderful right. person and you know, Diane Sawyer has good intentions. And so I think it's like, you know, we all want to give ourselves credit for however like progressive we are. Um, but really like most people like in any given culture are just a product of that culture. Like they're mm-hmm. not like most people probably would have been bad actors in history, even though they would think of themselves as people who would never have done things. A lot of people did in history. That's the reason why mm-hmm. so many like atrocities have happened because human nature is just so, is so interesting. And so I don't know, it's just fascinating. Like we can't yeah. give ourselves too much credit. No, totally. I mean, that's what I was saying. Like, it was just interesting to see, like, oh my gosh, even Diane Sawyer, like, had work left to do, you know, and, like, still had to mm-hmm. grow. Mm-hmm. It's relative morality. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's everything. Yeah. It's like, 
our morality is based on our surroundings. Mm -hmm. And even for Diane Sawyer, you know, even even for people who are like thought leaders at the right. time. Right. Are, As, I mean, it, I don't know if she could be a. Did this podcast just become maybe. a Diane Sawyer stan account? Because I feel like that's where we're headed and I'm super happy about it. <laughs> could be. Okay. I have a question for you guys. Um, uh, she drove around giving out the hundred dollar bills, which I thought was so cute so when she cute. got like obscenely uh, wealthy. Yeah. Love that. So darling. Um, do you guys have any overnight wealth fantasies? Like if you became super rich overnight, what's like a like a generosity fantasy or any kind of overnight wealth uh, fantasy? Oh, I wish I could say that I'd already thought about like how I would use my money in an altruistic way. <laughs> really putting me on the spot here. <laughs> I was like, honestly, I've never thought about that before. Absolutely not. Um, I mean... I definitely, I feel like this question that you just asked actually takes up like 20% of my brain space. Like, what would I do? Oh, wowly. Oh, okay. Not not the the (laughs) altruistic, but but that's a part of it. I definitely have thought like, you know, I would like donate money to housing. That's what I would do. Mm -hmm. I would donate money to housing and to gay rights and trans activism groups Mm -hmm. and to, tra- to trans people directly. That's what yeah. I personally would do. But Yeah. Um, okay, well, s- since you put me on the spot about what type of charity I would invest in, I would make sure that every young child had access to the Daily Mail, had access to People Magazine, <laughs> to Us Weekly. Like, I want I want to make sure that the information is in, the, like, the, the people's hands, you know? It's so important. So important. Absolutely. <laughs> Honestly, sure. like literacy has never been more important Mm -hmm. uh in our in our culture and so thank you for the good work that you hope to do one day of course you'd bring you'd bring the daily mail to (laughs) africa (laughs) exactly subscriptions for everyone the most chaotic news page there ever was clickbait for all that's my the most morally reprehensible (laughs) piers morgan for all (laughs) stories about bella thorne and ariel winter for everyone (laughs) democratize it (laughs) um anyway back to Brittany. i will say one thing i wanted to say is is there a more colorful group than free Brittany protesters Mm -hmm. like Their signs are all so, like, cute and pink and, you know, well-designed. All walks of life come together for Britney. Absolutely. I just love it. That was a fun group. All roads lead to Britney, lead to free Britney, at least. I just love the chants, like, hey, hey, ho, ho, (laughs) the conservative ship has got to go. (laughs) I was thinking about that. I was like, I just love that you can sandwich like any sort of platform or messaging within like a hey, hey, ho, ho. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. One of the things that I thought was, that was funny was, um, or not funny, but, but kind of like interesting was how they show her like her, basically her breakdown and they basically, they show how like she eventually shaves her head. And, like, she tries to go to a hair salon and to get her head shaven off, and the guy won't do it. Like, almost like he's, like, asking her to, like, be euthanized or something. Like, right. this is such a horrible thing. Like, we will never let, allow you to do this to yourself. And I, it just, like, I thought it was so 
poignant because of course in our culture like the idea of a woman like in on Losing purpose her hair. less attractive right like, no if she is she, she needs to be locked up like that's the ultimate that's, sin yeah. basically so she must be suicidal if she's gonna yeah. go that far uh-huh yeah that that was really telling about society there's also something they didn't talk about which was a big rumor at the time because kevin was making all these power plays at the time that's part of the reason why she was going crazy because she loves her kids so much and her yeah. kids were being her rights to her children were being threatened by kevin and they a lot of people said at the time that the reason she shaved her head was because of drug use and and that Kevin had threatened to have them test her right, hair right. for drugs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, oh, interesting. So, mm-hmm. so, and also, I was going to note that Brittany has a very contentious relationship with her hair. She always has. You know, she's a classic hairbrush hater. Yeah. Like, <laughs> she, to this day, she will not brush her hair. Like, that's, <laughs> that is something that she is, you know people are trying to do that. And she will not yeah. let anyone get near her like, hair. Brittany, just let when me brush your hair, please. Let me use the sweat brush. I promise. Mm-hmm. When, she's in the, when she's in the Matt Lauer interview, and like <gasps> there, the camera's on Matt, so we see the back of her head, and it's just the matted, like bleached blonde, like such a like the hair looks so, so bad. bad. It's mm-hmm. a like I don't understand. Her grooming habits, even to this day, are just so right. unfathomable to me. Like like the eyeliner that eyes. she leaves on her eyes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think she doesn't bathe much. That's just like the impression that I get is she, does, she doesn't really bathe a lot. Right, right. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's, there's not a hot tool or a, like, there's not a blow dryer no. or any sort of hot tool on those locks, and it shows. I mean, I But I she think- still gets extensions. Right. It's so weird. No makeup wipes or like anywhere in sight. Um, one of the things that it reminded me of though was when I was at BYU, you know, my my parents were fairly mom and dad were fairly hands off when it came to my education. Like I'm pretty sure they didn't even know what I was majoring in until like the, my actual graduation ceremony. Yeah. They just, you know, didn't ask too many questions. Um, but I remember I once told mom, I was like, Hey, I'm thinking of dyeing my hair red. You know, I had you know, fantasies Gosh. of becoming a raven-haired beauty. And all of a sudden, I got, like, so many texts from dad, like, up in arms over this decision. Like, like oh. it was like, it was, <laughs> like, my hair color was so controversial. And the fact that I was going to change it to something that they thought would be less attractive, it was oh. like, I n- oh. never heard from them more when I was at BYU. Problem- I bet. That was a life-altering decision. Literally. Oh, yeah. The problem with our parents is that they raised us to basically believe that there was only one pretty hair color, and that was blonde. Mm. In my opinion. Oh, yeah. You know, and like to the point where I've even, I've, I don't know if I've told the story on the pod, but I, I dyed my hair slightly more brown. And then I had a moment while, um, I had a moment where I was kind of freaking out about the color. And I said to my friend who is brunette, I said, are brunettes even pretty? Um, (laughs) I think revealed a lot about our childhood. Absolutely. Well, I mean, just the mindset of America, blonde is the American ideal, you know, My mom called our natural hair color dishwater color. The color of dishwater. Just uh-huh. a mousy brown dishwater hair. Ugh. Yeah. Is it's that is that what it is? You guys have I mean, brown hair naturally? It's, no, it's like, like ash kind of dishwater, I guess. 
Okay, it's right. Like ash, right. Yeah, right, it's right. like ash blonde. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not the cutest. Which is like that's like everyone though, right? right. Like, like, is normal. anybody actually yeah. blonde blonde? Like, no. very few people. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, let's talk for. I have two questions that I I need both of your thoughts on. Well, maybe mm-hmm. not questions, but just pe- the people featured in her life. I didn't. I, a, do we think? Do we think Kayfed is kind of a little bit hot still? Like, was Kevin <laughs> Federline kind of hot when she no. first got Ooh, with him? Controversial. No. I mean, I just like I. Obviously, his clothes are atrocious. Like, he's an atrocious person. But when they first got together, there was a part of me that was like, I can kind of see it. I kind of can see it. Totally, he was a backup dancer, and I yeah. think he's. I think he's charming. I think yeah. that. I mean. I think he had the the right kind of like guile about him. You know what I mean? Like he yeah. he charmed her. I, so I mean, he's like, definitely a guy who is objectively attractive. It's just the styling is so bad. The styling is pretty rough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, the pants mm-hmm. hanging down. Like his whole vibe is so unattractive. But I think we have to think about. Like, let's talk about who are we discussing? Britney Spears. Her house looks like the inside of a cheesecake factory. Like, you know, this yeah. isn't a woman known for great taste. Exactly. So then, and follow up. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, 2006 was a different time, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. stylistically. Sure. At the time, it was all about Von Dutch and like destroyed t shirts and denim. And you know what I mean? Like, his look was more in that. Right. Totally. Right. So my follow-up question is, is K-Fed a bad guy? Like, did K-Fed play a role in, like, her demise? Or or is, is he a little bit – or do you think that he's, like, done the best that he can? And, like, mm-hmm. they obviously didn't work out. But, like, do you think he's, like, a good dad? Like, do you think, like, that – I don't know. How does he fall into, like, the, the characters in her life? I mean, I think that he started out as a bad guy. I don't think he had – great intentions in the beginning mm-hmm. I think that it was oh, really about yeah I think it was about I mean I I think he he liked her but I think that he was attracted to who she was and it kind of shows in because she's such a you can just see how she's such a, a nice innocent like she really right. is that innocent you know yeah. what I mean yeah. and for him to take advantage of her public image and and um, threaten her with her kids, which he knew was her number one priority. Mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. kind of shows the kind of person that he was. He was just angling for more money. Like let's yeah. face it, like yeah. he was not. He was probably as much of a bad influence on his kids as she would have been, or more. You know, yeah. it, it yeah. wasn't about like who was safest to be around the kids. I don't think as much as about how much money he could get. Right, if he her. had sole custody. Mm-hmm. That's what it seemed like to me. Like, it seemed like very typical, like, ex-antics. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure mm-hmm. if you're trying to get more custody, and more custody translates into more spousal support, and since she's the, you know, the one that's actually is- giving the support, it's all about money. And so, like, of course, if you're trying to do that, if you think that, you know, the other spouse is unhinged or taking drugs or whatever, you're right. going to go after that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, every, people do that. It's not like that makes him like this horrible, horrible person. Like, who knows what we would all do in that situation? And right. I do think that the way he's evolved over time, like, I don't think he's a bad guy anymore. I think that, like, he's a good dad to his kids. You know, he has more kids now. And yeah, I think like he's, he's more he's more settled down and like matured as yeah. we all do as we age, you know. So, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it's hard to say. The, uh, yeah. the journey of K-Fed. Okay, so next guy, this Sam character. 
I don't remember uh, him at all, it, like, being in really? a picture. Yeah. And so wow. I'm really curious about the fact that, like, he's still a presence in her life, like, to the point where they have even have a, got a restraining order against him, like, as, as recent as 2019. Oh, they did. I must have like missed that a little. Yeah, that bit. was like a little, a little part of it. But um, I yeah, I don't remember him. So like, what? I'm sure he tries to be a, an influence in her life. He was he was just like an opportunist when they said that she was just try. She was desperate for friendship. He was one of those people who she met at the right time, mm-hmm. and he was such an opportunist and just like hopped in and immediately started acting like her handler. And this is when she had cut everyone off. This is yeah. when. She had cut off all the people who were trying to control her, including her family before this. And and she was just like, like, wiling out in L.A., you know, and she ended up dating a paparazzi at the same time. You know what I mean? So it, he was just like a shady and he, I totally believe he was drugging her. A hundred percent. Yeah. He was trying to control her. her. Yes, absolutely. What? They said in the documentary, they said that. Um, there were rumors that he was crushing yeah. up pills and putting them in her food. Yeah, and I, oh, right. I, mean, I totally believe it. Don't we and all? So that just... was the reason why they got the conservatorship is because a, he... of the her becoming unhinged, but then trying to get her away from him. And I think he was trying mm-hmm. to get yep. gain access to her money. I think that was yeah. another thing. He was like getting control over her finances. But this is what I'm mm-hmm. going to say, you guys. Don't we all just kind of want someone who will pal around with us and go to Coldstone? Like they had this cute scene Wait. where they were in a Coldstone and it looked really like fun. Like I kind of want that. I mean, I would just like to be at the level of like influence or power or wealth, whatever it will take to have to need a handler. Like it's unclear right. to me what a handler does. <laughs> right. Except just like, you know, like go with you everywhere and like, I guess, stand in line with you. But uh-huh. it's very, yeah. Like they're not an assistant. No, what, what like are they? they're not a bodyguard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're just pal around. Okay, okay. Lee, I actually have a question for you. I don't mean to put you on the spot. Um, okay. But after witnessing this documentary and mm-hmm. seeing the breakdown, you know, before our eyes, do you regret that one Halloween costume? Oh my God. Literally, yes. Now yeah, that. You do. It, I mean, and it was, that was Halloween 2017, you know, it wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. I was, just so everyone knows, I was shaved head Britney Spears for Halloween a few years ago. I'm a bald man. I've had that Halloween costume idea for years and years. I won second place in a costume contest at a random gay bar called Akbar in Silver Lake <laughs> that night that I had just oh stumbled gosh. into. I won $100. I took my friend and I out for dinner, so... I, I feel like I really nailed the crazed look in my eye. You, you were um, perfect. It was a perfect costume. But, but I will when I saw say, photos of it, I was like, this is genius. Incredible. I didn't have any thoughts that it was right. wrong. We had no idea it was yeah. problematic at the I time. Think we, were, we were just on the precipice of really realizing like that mental health isn't something to like poke fun at. And, and mm-hmm. also we were just like coming out of that phase. And maybe I was even a little behind it. I don't know. Uh, but I mean, judging by the fact that all the gays voted me number two, I'm going to say everybody else was around the same age. But yeah, I mean, I will say that I do regret that. And I like have considered taking it off my Instagram. Okay. Oh, I mean, it's a, it's a, it is also an incredible likeness. And so I don't know, I have conflicted feelings about the image being removed. But yeah, I, I appreciate your apology. Yeah, it's a tough decision. I'll, I'll keep you posted. <laughs> Uh, so funny but, yeah I mean I'm sorry Brittany if you're listening I'm I'm sorry for doing that yeah thank you you did this to her we did this to her 
Exactly. Okay, wait, wait, guys, we have to talk about Justin Timberlake for a second. Oh yeah, we have because to talk he's about like obviously. I don't, Lauren. I don't actually know where you fall on this. I hate Justin Timberlake. Oh yeah, yeah. Hate him. We hate he's Justin Timberlake. This is an this is a pro Diane Sawyer anti Justin Timberlake podcast. Just mm-hmm. so we're super clear. <laughs> um, but it's crazy to me the the misogyny within like the the press and the media during their relationship. And the way that, like, you know, yeah. Well, he, he it just shows it just shows how kind she was in response. Like, maybe she did cheat on him. I don't know. I do have a friend that went on tour with Britney on her Oops, I Did It Again tour. He was in a boy band. And he said that Britney and Justin were, like, every night shit-faced and, like, basically having sex on the dance floor when they would really? go out to the clubs after. Uh-huh. So um, I do, I, but sorry, I digress. I I think that it shows like what a genuine kind person she is that she just let him do that. She let him like reveal this information and then step all over her on his way up. Mm-hmm. You know, use mm-hmm. her as a as a springboard to to like launch himself. Yeah, yeah. From he did this. He also did the same thing to Janet Jackson with her um, when he yep. ripped off her bra at the. Uh, Super Bowl and you saw her nipple he quietly faded into the background he just like exited stage left as she got all this crazy backlash I do think we'll see a day when Justin is cancelled that is my prediction on this podcast I totally agree there's something there there is darkness lurking behind um, Justin Timberlake and I don't know if you've read the Laney gossip coverage of Justin Timberlake, probably over the course of the past decade, has always revealed what a narcissist he is. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Even when it's announcing the the birth of their child or anything that has to do with any sort of announcement, especially like their even their marriage announcement, it's all mm-hmm. about him. It's like he tries to dominate the hot the spotlight in every single piece. And I just think like her coverage has been so interesting, and it's really shed light on what a narcissist he is. Totally. I have honestly been such a Justin Timberlake, like anti-Justin evangelist over the years. And it's because of that coverage. And I have read multiple articles out loud to friends over the years, like probably 10 different friends or groups of friends. I've read them negative Justin Timberlake articles from Lady Gossip because they just really illustrate the point of like what a piece of shit he is. We should do a deep dive on our Instagram of like photos where like, Jessica Biel is, is the star of the photo, but Justin Timberlake is like still mm-hmm. trying to like steal the spotlight. Like it's once Jockey you see it, you can't. Her. Yeah, you can't mm-hmm. unsee it. Yeah, he's a yeah. dude. He sucks. Yeah, he really is. Mm-hmm. Well, Lee, this is not the this is the first time Lee's on our podcast, but it will not be the last if if he'll come on. Um, you know, every now and then because Absolutely. we just I just love you. I would love to come on again. I was thinking, I honestly deliberated long and hard about like what correspondent I was going to be for you guys because uh-huh. you know Andrew's your Royals correspondent you've mm-hmm. got Megan your Kimye correspondent and I was like oh my god am I the housewives correspondent am I the the like yo-yo dieting correspondent but I feel <laughs> like we landed on Britney and that was that was kind of perfect especially for my first um yeah. guest spot and but I definitely I mean another thing that I'm super passionate about is housewives so I feel like I might have to come on a Patreon app or something one of these 1, oh my yeah. gosh yeah. you can and be our Bravo and Britney correspondent 
Lee, so I would love that. Love Lee, Lee has to come on because Lee has also met a lot of celebrities uh, while living in West Hollywood. And you have to give us like your, the full rundown of like your favorites. So that's like, that's a must. That's on the, the I would, calendar. I would love to do that. I mean, I haven't met them in like super organic circumstances. It was definitely serving them at a restaurant. So, you know. But still, <laughs> you've, you've got great insights, great learnings. I do. I did. I mean, I, I definitely take as much as I can from those situations. That's for sure. Which is exactly <laughs> what we expect out of our correspondents. <laughs> oh my gosh yes we have to do like a full deep dive uh, and like do a whole all things celebrity with lee i think that would be so fun yeah yeah i would love that like a love, rapid fire round that. um okay well until next time then love you this has been lovely love y'all. you love you guys Thanks for coming on, lee. bye, bye. bye. that's all for now folks Don't forget, give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at popapologists, and we will see you next week, live every Wednesday. Do you ever worry about running out of interesting things to say to friends when you actually get to see them? Then we've got the perfect podcast for you. I'm Eve Yohalem, and each week on Book Dreams, my co-host Julie Sternberg and I use books to explore fascinating questions, like what happened when a Harvard professor staked her reputation on an alleged gospel of Jesus' wife that turned out to be fake? And how did debut author Tom Lynn save the American Western by blowing it to bits? Are pigeons rats with wings or wonder birds? And what's the who, what, when, where, how, and especially why of books bound in human skin? Recent and upcoming Book Dreams highlights include conversations with Booker Prize-winning author Marlon James, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Catherine Schultz, and Merlin scholar Dr. Laura Campbell. You can listen to Book Dreams wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists, owners of the therapy group, and hosts of the Shrink Chicks podcast. Every week, we bring you a new episode where we dive into therapeutic topics like inner child work, dating anxiety, family dynamics, relationships, and burnout, making them more relatable and understandable, leaving the psycho babble behind. We address the things you've been dying to ask your therapist but don't know how and work to help you stop shooting all over yourself with the expectations society can put on us. Tune in every Monday to Shrink Chicks on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to follow along and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Prepare to learn all about you because in order to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. Hey.